0: Welcome back, creeps.
1: Hello everyone.
0: There's two different energies in this room right now. <laughs> <laughs> we have such exciting news for everybody.
1: Mr. Andrew Tate let he he wanted us on his show, let's not meet, and we said, "Fuck yeah." Yeah. And we were something like that. <laughs> They were like, hey, Weekly Creep, you want to be on our podcast? And we're like, okay, NGT. And, and that's how it went.
0: Yeah, that's exactly how it went. No. <laughs> but no, it was a really fun experience because we are both huge fans of his show. So we were a little bit, I think, I guess kind of like starstruck a little bit. Yeah. Being like, holy shit.
1: Yeah, I, I can remember the first time that I, I listened to Weekly Creep. And then I was like, "Hey Adam, you should listen to," uh, not sorry, not to Weekly Creep to uh, let's not meet. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Hey Adam, you should listen to Let's Not Meet." And normally Adam doesn't like the things that I suggest. And when I suggested to, to him, suggested it to him, he was like, "Oh, uh, you should listen to this episode of Let's Not Meet." And I'm like, "Oh, is that the podcast that I suggested that you listen to?" He's like, "No, you you've never, you never suggested it to me." He does this knowingly.
0: Yeah, I did that to troll me. (laughs) Yep. But anyway, it was really fun. I told a story about a girl from Dublin. Dulce told just a horrendous fucking almost break-in story. Yeah, from some mountainous region.
1: Yeah, it did so awful. It was horrendous. (laughs)
0: Um, No, uh,
1: he he liked he liked the collaboration. So we're like we were like okay, he's happy, we're happy, and hopefully we get to do it again.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and hopefully we'll get to have him on our show soon.
1: It was kind of cool because while I was doing it, I was like, like I had to tell Adam to leave the room, and I just got into this zone of like, this is what a voice actor must feel like. <laughs> <laughs> but then when I heard myself on the um on the podcast, I was like. Oh my God, even in my voice, I sound like, like un- unenthused. <laughs> oh. Because like while I was recording, I was like doing hand motions and facial expressions and they didn't translate.
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was a lot of fun and we were super happy to have the chance to be on the show. Um, and make sure if you haven't checked it out, like I'm sure all of you know it by now, like even Kat Dennings. Knows about Let's Not Meet. Yeah. So, anyway, go check them out. Go check his show out.
1: Yeah, but you know, she's a person just like us
0: a TV person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing we want to talk about is our Patreon that we had been putting off for a long time because we just wanted to wait until it, we were in the position to do it and like feel like we were going to give enough content. To make it worth its value.
1: Personally, I felt like, oh, I was just, I was like, I I want to feel the need from um, our listeners that they actually want this content. Yeah. I didn't want to just shove it down their throats and be like, here, here's more content. Take this content. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Okay. So there's going to be two tiers. uh, Max and Porkchop. Max, I'm just going to read straight from the website. Because I mean, I fucking wrote it anyway, but this is the max level tier. A little smaller, a little lighter than pork chop, but just as loved. <laughs> if you feel like joining this tier, just know that you are loved by someone. It's us. We both love you and appreciate your support. Spoiler alert. Yes. <laughs> so for the max level, it's $5. And you will receive a weekly creep postcard. Like an actual physical postcard in the mail. Uh, live chats and hangouts. We're going to make like a, a close friends group on Instagram. Uh, bi weekly creep mini episodes. So every two weeks you'll get some extra creep. Uh, fan of the week shout out. We'll pick one at random and shout you guys out on the show. And some video content. We're not sure what just yet. Like as of right now we just recorded ourselves doing a Mad Lib video.
1: I think it'll just be a mixed bag.
0: Yeah, we're just going to... Because we don't
1: want to pigeonhole ourselves either.
0: Yeah, it'll be random videos of us thinking that we're funny. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's Max level. Next is Porkchop. Porkchop is $10 a month. And just like Porkchop, this one's the chunkier of the two. But we (laughs) love her and Max just the same. With Porkchop, you'll be getting everything that comes with Max two just in case anything is missing from the following list and with workshop you'll be getting the weekly creep postcard live chats and hangouts random ass fucking videos in the patreon feed the bi-weekly creep fan of the week shout out fan requests like i have here we will do almost anything you want
1: yeah topics included for yeah, like topics, the weekly
0: videos for right. the
1: weekly uh Creep, yeah,
0: okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so you can send us topics for regular episodes or, yeah, regular episodes, that's what I yeah, mean. Yeah, or if you like anything you want, just fucking messages, we'll do it. Um, and also with Pork Chop, you will get an extra titillating tales of true terror. Pork
1: Chop's titillating,
0: yes, yeah, this is Pork Chop's titillating tales of true terror. She
1: has a segment,
0: <laughs> yeah, she just comes on and says one time. I went outside, the bowl was empty.
1: (laughs) I think it would be cool to have her in the shot while we tell the story.
0: Probably, but for some reason she doesn't like this room, so.
1: Oh, I just have to go to her, I guess.
0: Maybe, yeah, maybe. Or I
1: can hold her, she likes
0: it when I hold her. Anyway, that's our Patreon. Feel free to join, feel free to not join, totally up to you.
1: Because this regular show is free, so. Yeah.
0: Uh oh also another thing that we will be doing further down the line is random stickers with the pork chop uh tier. So just expect like random ass mail from us in the future, basically if you go with pork chop. And that's it. Let's get on with the fucking show.
1: All right. Okay. So this week it's my turn to go first and I'm going to cite my sources. Uh Wikipedia, Criminal Minds, Fandom.com, Crime Magazine, and the lineup.
0: Criminal Minds? Yes. T V show? No. Oh.
1: So today we're gonna be talking about Frederick Henrique Carl Harman, aka Fritz Harmon, aka The Butcher of Hanover, aka The Vampire of Hanover, aka The Wolfman.
0: Jesus Christ, okay.
1: Yeah. So, let's start out on the day he was born. He was born on October 25th, 1878, to Ollie and Johanna Harmon in Hanover, Germany. He was the sixth and youngest child of the couple. Johanna was 49 when 34-year-old Ollie married her, so she was older than him, not usual but it happened okay and the the reason why it did was because johanna was wealthy and marrying her would mean her suitor would come into a hefty dowry and so this was a no-brainer for ollie the marriage was not a good one i guess obviously i mean he he went in with like the wrong (laughs) (laughs) wrong reasons ollie was argumentative a womanizer and he had a short temper He had affairs with other women during his marriage with Johanna. So he was riddled with syphilis as a result. Yikes. But Johanna stayed with him until she died in 1901 of April. She didn't have too many options because having Fritz Harmon left her in a weakened and invalid state for the rest of her life.
0: Oh, like actually birthing him? Yeah. Wow.
1: Ollie was also a shitty father who didn't like being with his kids. And when he was, he was all discipline, no love. He especially hated Fritz because of his feminine personality. If something went wrong, he blamed Fritz. So I'm going to be saying Fritz and Harmon interchangeably right now because I'm talking about senior Fritz and junior uh, Senior Harmon and junior Harmon. Ollie was also a constant critic in Fritz's life of... Even up into adulthood, the feeling was mutual. Though uh, Fritz would threaten to call the cops on his dad and say he murdered a train driver. What? Yeah. So no one knows if he actually did murder someone, but yeah. he would always give him that threat. Like, I'm gonna for the, I'm gonna call the cops. and I'm gonna fucking tell them you killed somebody, and they're gonna go to jail for the rest of your life.
0: That's a very specific.
1: Exactly. So I'm just like I think though. there has to be like some truth to this. Yeah. But like I said, nothing's been proven, so okay. it's just a rumor.
0: And it was 120 years ago, so
1: yeah. Harmon, uh, you know Fritz Harmon. Yeah. He had a huge fear of being locked up in an asylum. The child. Yes. Okay. Um, likely because homosexuals were admitted into hospitals and asylums just for being gay. And, and was
0: he gay or was he just effeminate?
1: Well, he yeah, he was gay. Okay. But also effeminate just because you're gay yeah, doesn't yeah. mean you're effeminate, but he was both. Um, Ali knew about this fear and would repeatedly threaten to lock him away or call the police on him because being gay was also illegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The two constantly butt heads, but the weird part was that they joined forces when either needed an alibi. Ollie was a con artist on the side and used Fritz as an accomplice. Fritz knew the score and learned how to be a scammer, just like his father. If Ollie ever got caught and had to go to court, Fritz would show up to testify in his father's defense and vice versa. The two worked together. Only when it came to easy money.
0: That's so fucking weird.
1: Isn't it? Yeah, I thought that was weird too. Harmon was a quiet kid and had a few friends outside of his three sisters. His two older brothers, Alfred and Willem, had their own personality defects. Alfred was a mirror image of his asshole father, Ollie. And Willem would grow up to be a sexual predator. Oh, lovely. Harmon steered clear of them, though, and spent his time with his three sisters. They'd play dolls and dress up in dresses. That sounds nice. Yeah, it's
0: like a good old time.
1: Yeah. His sisters, although very sweet to Harmon, suffered from obsessive compulsive disorder, which would stay with them into adulthood and reportedly would be the cause of a slew of ruined marriages. Both of them. All three of them.
0: Or oh, sorry, all three. Wow
1: harman liked to play pranks on his sisters he liked to tap on the windows of his house in the middle of the night and tell his sisters that it was the monsters who had done it
0: okay i don't hate it <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> he also liked to hide and wait so he could jump out and scare his sisters
0: that's a daily occurrence in my house
1: that's what I thought. Like, I'm not going to lie. I like to do that to my mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what I do. This is what I do. So back back in the day, at my mom's house, we had carpet. And I would vacuum. I would leave the vacuum on um, in one <laughs> of the rooms. So she would think I was over there. Yeah. And I would sneak to wherever she was. And I would just jump out and scare her.
0: <laughs> okay, that is... A little bit further than just waiting for them to come around the corner. But okay. Why is that like? It's a little bit more evil, I feel like. That's fine. <laughs>
1: I'm like, uh, is that is that not okay? <laughs> he also liked to tie up his sisters, leave them like he was not going to come back for them, and then jump out to scare them when they let their guard down.
0: Okay, we're getting... Weirder. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, but I feel like this is a tip of the iceberg. He would also dress up as a dummy, like a doll or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would lie, and he would do this at night. He would lie in the bottom of the stairs. So, like, when his sisters would get up, because, like, you know, he'd tap on the windows. Okay. They could see... Uh, just they could see him sprawled out on the bottom of the stairs and freak them out
0: but he would think they would think that he's a doll
1: yeah they would think that he's like some weird fucking possessed doll demon thing
0: what the fuck okay
1: it's crazy that's
0: terrifying yeah it is i'm not okay with that (laughs) just for the record i am not okay with that
1: (laughs) got it okay okay So Harmon didn't like sports or getting dirty, and his mother encouraged him playing indoors because she was very protective of him. He was her favorite. He developed a love for cooking and sewing as well. He started going to school in 1886. He wasn't very good at school, but his behavior wasn't a problem. He was mild-mannered, and he liked to daydream in class. He was allegedly molested by one of his teachers when he was eight years old, but he didn't say much on the matter. Okay. At 15, he got permission from his parents to quit school and get a job as an apprentice locksmith. At 16, he enrolled in a military academy in the town of Brysik. Harmon got the hang of military life like he like it suited him this was his calling the, kind of thing yeah like the discipline did him well because uh, like you'll see throughout most of his life like he's his uh, I guess default state was to like kind of just slack off you know yeah okay and find like the easy ways out yeah but this really suited him unfortunately he began to suffer from epilepsy only five months in the cause was likely due to an accident he had during bar ac- uh, bar exercises, you know, like, when, like pull-ups and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, he was concussed, so he was prone to blackouts after this. Wow. Blackouts and epilepsy. He was sent to the medical area while he was still in the school for treatment, but the sight of doctors and his fear of them finding something mentally wrong with him was too much. Because remember, he had that big fear of being oh, locked yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. So after 6 months in military school, Harmon discharged himself and went back to Hanover. And he got a job working at a cigar factory that his father established in 1888. And you know, because he was out of the military life, he went back to his default. He wasn't a good co- he wasn't a good worker, he was lazy and he was always looking for shortcuts.
0: So basically, like it sounds like he needed somebody telling him wake up at this time, do this, do that or else there's going to be consequences.
1: Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because of the kind of uh, environment that he had growing up. His mom was always, like, spoiling him and yeah, yeah, letting him get away with things. And and besides, like, his dad was not really home, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because he was out in bars drinking and picking up women and shit.
0: Cigar factory sounds kind of fun, though. Yeah. In July of
1: 1888, he began his sexual abuse of young boys. Oh. Remember, he was all of 16 when this started. Super young.
0: Oh, he's sti- he's still 16? Yeah. Not oh, much okay. time has passed. Okay.
1: His method was to lure young boys to secluded areas like cellars and like abandoned, uh, you know, warehouses or yeah, yeah, secluded alleyways, um, and he'd abuse them. He got arrested on July 9- 1896, so a whole year later. Right. The Division of Criminal Matters, which is a a section of the government, you know, kind of like a branch in the government, placed Harmon in a mental institution in the city of Hildesheim, Hildesheim in February 1897. During this time, he stayed at the Hanover Hospital long enough to get a psychiatric evaluation and a diagnosis of incurably deranged and unable to stand trial. Okay. Yeah. So the doctor who diagnosed him, Gert Schalfub, ordered that he should live the rest of his days in a mental institution on May 28th, 1897.
0: Jesus Christ. This was like some sort of weird fucking premonition.
1: It's almost like he can't. Yeah. Yeah. His fear, right? That's crazy.
0: Jesus.
1: So seven months later, Harmon escaped the mental institution. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: And with help from his mother, he went to live with a relative of hers in Zurich, Switzerland for 16 months. So, I guess just lay low. Yeah. In Zurich, he worked as a handyman on a shipyard. Probably cutting corners and being lazy. Yeah. <laughs> in
0: 1880 1880- in
1: 1899, Harmon returned to Hanover, and in the following year, he was engaged to a woman named Erna Lewert who was pregnant with his child already.
0: They were like, well, just force the gay down <laughs> and then everything will be normal, quote-unquote.
1: I guess. In October of 1900, he was called to fulfill his compulsory military service for Germany, uh, which o- apparently only lasts for six months. Oh. What I found strange, though, was that he escaped the mental institution <laughs> And the military called him for, they called him for service. They only would have done that if they knew he was gone from the mental institution and assumed or knew he was at home already. And if this is the case, why didn't they just pick him up again? Why did they call him for military service? And they were just like, all right, cool. No big deal. Just come serve for the military.
0: Yeah, no, I feel like back then it would have been, like, the military service request or whatever would have been sent out regardless. And then if he was in the institute or whatever, like, they would have written back and say, oh, he's in the asylum. So he can't go to the military. And then they'd be like, okay. But I highly doubt that the two of them actually communicated.
1: Oh, I see what you're saying.
0: Yeah.
1: Anyways, in October... 1900 he was deployed to Alsatian city in Colmar to serve in the number 10 rifle battalion there he became an excellent soldier and marksman according to his superiors because remember military life really suited like it brought out the best in him. um so Harman thrived but a year later Suffered from bouts of dizziness and was hospitalized for four months as a result. This is probably a carryover from all that shit that happened to him while he was in that military school. Yeah,
0: I can imagine he was probably still suffering with a lot more, but not saying anything, and then
1: could. Oh, yeah, could be. Mm-hmm. He was deemed unsuitable for further military service and work due to early signs of dementia and dismissed from the military on July 28, nineteen o two. He was awarded a monthly pension of 21 gold marks to live on, which is, I did the math, $140.94 in today's money.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Um, When Harmon arrived back home to Hanover, he briefly worked for his father again before trying and failing to sue his father because he was unable to work due to the ailments that the military doctor said he'd had.
0: So, was he trying to say that his dad was forcing him to work? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay.
1: But remember, like, they were always at each other. Yeah,
0: yeah, I we- like the two, uh, this, like, dynamic between the father and himself. It's like, I'll
1: throw you in jail. I'll fucking sue you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they mean it. <laughs> yeah,
0: literally. You think I won't?
1: <laughs> the two butt heads again the next year, and Ollie was the one who sought legal action against his son, saying that Fritz threatened to kill him and blackmail him. He insisted that because of this, he needed to get locked up in the mental institution again. Nothing came of this as the charges were dropped due to lack of evidence. So, okay, get this. Harmon and his fiance opened a fishmongery with financial aid from his father literally just after... Like the father sought legal action against his son. Yeah,
0: they've just been at each other's throats. Exactly,
1: and, then- and he just spotted him money to open this fishmongery. So this fish, this fishmongery—it's the weirdest fucking word. <laughs> they opened it and put it under Erna's name. Harmon got a second job as an insurance salesman, but that was short-lived. He was officially classified as disabled and unable to work. By the 10th Army, which he was a part of before. Um, And this happened in 1904. The good news is that his pension was increased a little uh, because of the disabled, um, I guess.
0: Adjustment in his claim.
1: Right. Uh, The bad news was that his pregnant fiance left him because he accused her of having an affair with one of her students. Because I guess she was like a tutor or teacher.
0: And I mean, well, were they? No. Definitely not.
1: She was pregnant.
0: No. That doesn't mean shit. (laughs) But I can't imagine that they were. Oh, well, I suppose she was pregnant. Okay.
1: Right. Plus, so more bad news. Because the fishmongery was in Erna's name, he lost that too.
0: Ah, okay.
1: Because she like kicked him out and was like, you're not allowed back here. Yeah. How dare you accuse me of cheating on you? Fair. For the next 10 years, Harmon lived as a thief, con artist, burglar, grave robber, while being legitimately employed on and off. After Ernest kicked him out and shunned him from the fishmongery, his life went downhill, and he was in and out of jail for all those things that I just mentioned, including larceny, embezzlement, and assault. Wow. For most of the time between 1905 and 1918, Harmon was in jail in april 1918 Harmon was released from jail and went back to doing his illegal shit by buying and selling stolen goods as a result harman established several criminal contacts the police knew harman couldn't keep his nose clean so they flipped him into being an informant
0: i feel like he'd be really good at that <laughs>
1: And I'll tell like, it was a mutual thing. Like, it was, like, a give-and-take kind of relationship between the police and Harmon. Right. So this suited Harmon because it diverted their attention away from his own crimes, like assaulting young boys who were too embarrassed to come forward and press charges on him. Of course. This also thinned out his rivals that were cutting into his business.
0: Ah, okay.
1: Because at this time, crime was an alternative. At an all time high because of the growing poverty that plagued Germany after World War One. Because remember, they had they told Germany, okay, you gotta take the blame for the whole war and you gotta pay for the war. Right, right. So Harman also helped coordinate stings that put his competition in jail. What he would do is he'd offer to store the stolen belongings and you know the goods or whatever yeah. from his rivals at his place and <laughs> so once they agreed to that you know they're like okay i'm gonna store store these things here for you because i'm cool yeah meet me at my place with all the shit you want me to store at this specific time they'd be like all right cool in the meantime Harmon would tell the police hey they're coming here
0: at this time. Yes. Okay.
1: And they'd all get arrested, like the his rivals, him, and all that shit. You know, like oh, all, so it all looked those like
0: people. he was a victim.
1: Yes. To keep them from realizing that he was a rat. Okay. A fucking rat.
0: Yeah, you're a fucking rat. You're a rat. <laughs> <laughs> Your whole family's a rat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this led police to trust him and what they did was they allowed him to patrol Hanover Station as he liked. So, Hanover Central Station was like a hub of, you know, people coming and going. People would go and they'd sell their shit there. You would, oh, if you okay. wanted to meet up with someone to set something up, to do a business deal, whatever, you'd go to Hanover Central Station. This was like the hub. Okay. And they also let him do shit like citizens' arrest whenever he fucking felt like it.
0: Jesus Christ! Okay, yeah.
1: which I thought was weird because it's like, how can you be worried about looking like a rat and do citizens arrest at the same time? But whatever. Yeah,
0: something's not quite adding up here. But this was a different time, so I don't know. <laughs> there was nobody there to hold a fucking, yeah, mobile camera at you, like
1: yeah. A large part of Harmon's crimes were murders. Harmon was suspected to have killed at least twenty-seven to fifty males between the ages of 10 and 22. He lured these males with the promise of financial help or opportunity. He also used threat tactics of arrest because remember he was able to do the citizen's arrest. He committed these murders in whatever residence he was staying in at the time uh, because he ended up moving in and out of different places. So he, he
0: would bring the people back to his house? Yeah. Or his apartment or whatever? Okay.
1: Or anything that he was leasing because he also leased out like storage units or oh, or just places okay. that he said that he was going to use for storage. Yeah. So just anywhere that he had a lease. Yeah, yeah. His method of killing was that these guys would be lured into a false sense of comfort. So once they were at, you know, his residence or whatever, they would... Harmon would offer them food or drink and then Harmon would lean over and bite into the guy's Adam's apple, sometimes at the same time that he'd be strangling them with his hands.
0: Fucking hell. I don't think I've ever heard of someone doing this before.
1: His victims normally died of asphyxiation because of the strangling, but sometimes he would reportedly bite them so hard that his teeth would rip into the trachea of his victims. And whenever he was being questioned uh, when he got caught, because obviously he got caught, otherwise we wouldn't be talking about him. Yeah. He referred to this as his love bite.
0: This guy sounds like a fucking comic book. Yeah. Like one of those old, like... 1950s what's the like creep show style <laughs> comic books fucking hell
1: yeah Harmon dismembered the bodies and he discarded them in the leanne river he also kept personal possessions from all his victims for himself to keep yeah or to sell on the black market or to give to friends there was a rumor that Harmon sold the meat of his victims because he did sell contraband meat diced or ground but he claimed to get it from an associate of his who was a butcher who he just named carl
0: okay i'm kind of like struggling with this image because in my head i'm picturing him like selling his wares in like a long trench coat back in the day (laughs) so i was like i got everything i got like a pocket radio some nice watches some ground beef yeah what
1: yeah i mean well remember everybody's poor if he can, like he's
0: if he can get his hands on, it, he's gonna. Sell if he it. can
1: get it for free, he can sell it for cheap. Okay, and it's all profit.
0: Fucking hell. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Harmon's first victim, first known victim, was 17-year-old runaway named Friedel Roth. Roth left after having an argument with his family. He reportedly wrote home to his folks, saying that he'd return home when. Quote, they decided to be nice to him again, end quote.
0: That sounds kind of really sad.
1: Yeah, it is, especially because Roth's mom searched all of Hanover for her son. Oh. And that's how she found out that Harmon was the last person seen with him. Police raided Harmon's apartment and found him with a naked 13-year-old boy. Harmon was charged with sexual assault and a battery of a minor, which earned him a slap on the wrist. In other words, nine months in prison. Okay. What they didn't know at the time was that Roth's head was wrapped in newspaper and hidden away behind his stove at the time of the raid.
0: That is fucking insane. (laughs) Yeah. Wrapped in newspaper. Like what the fuck?
1: I mean, like a, like how they wrap your snow crab legs at H-E-B. That's how yeah, it was or wrapped. your fish and chips. Yeah. Jesus your Christ. Your fish supper.
0: Yeah. Give me my fish supper.
1: I think it's important to note that the police did not raid Harmon's place willingly. They got lots of pressure from Roth's family and friends. Their resistance to raid Harmon's place was for several reasons. At that time, homosexuality was taboo and illegal. And the cops knew Harmon was gay, so they didn't want to touch him or his apartment with a 10-foot pole on account of the homophobia.
0: Yeah, they're just so afraid they're going to catch it.
1: I guess. Also, he was their rat slash informant.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was a A good good guy compared to, for them, like.
1: Yeah. He was able to dodge this prison sentence until 1920. In the meantime, between him getting arrested and nineteen twenty his life was as like as normal as it was before right uh he carried on being a whistleblower for the police in exchange for pay and doing all his illegal shit his other illegal shit to make money in nineteen nineteen Harmon met eighteen year old hans granz
0: Hans granz
1: yeah
0: <laughs> is this a real name <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay
1: who had run away from his home in Berlin after having an argument with his dad. Apparently, there was a lot of runaways at this time.
0: I can imagine, yeah.
1: Granz slept and peddled old clothes around Hanover Station for two weeks before meeting Harmon. Granz was looking to prostitute himself to Harmon because he heard through the grapevine that Harmon was gay. Although Granz was heterosexual, he needed the money. Harmon took Gronz in to live with him and became his boyfriend and partner in crime. The relationship the two had was tumultuous. Gronz would antagonize and manipulate Harman, and Harman would get tired of this shit, so he'd kick him out. Okay. Harman would always regret it because he was really into Grons, and would beg Grons to come back to their love nest.
0: That sounds like the most toxic relationship <laughs> yeah, it <does>. ever. Like, <laughs> look, I'm not sexually attracted to you. Like, I'm not even gay.
1: But I'll let you do me.
0: But I'll let you do me and, and I'll live here.
1: And I'll let you kick me out. Yeah. And, and I'll come back.
0: And he the other guy's like, okay, I love you so fucking much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is all I've ever wanted.
1: <laughs> well, see, there's like um there's like uh A reason for all this chaos is that, like, Harmon's deal was that he wanted to be someone's end all and be all. And he was this. He was exactly this to Granz because Granz had nothing and no one but Harmon.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, after the prison stint for the case of the 13-year-old boy in 1918, because he did eventually yeah, go to prison yeah. for that, Harmon was able to regain the trust of the police once more, and he regained his informant status. Granz naturally waited for his man to get out of prison, and they both moved to an apartment in an old house next to the Leon River. Eight, Nuias That was the name oh, of nice. the... Yeah, I liked it <laughs> <laughs> so This is where I'm going to leave the story
0: What? Yeah <laughs> Okay so a quick recap Well not a quick recap But basically he's just out of prison Granz waited for him Hans Granz waited for him And they just moved in To a new love nest
1: Eight neue Streisab
0: Eight nuya Streisab
1: Which literally means New street
0: Yeah that's cool I obviously I'm not, for the record, I'm not okay with all the sexual abuse that's going on here. Right. But a little piece of me just wants the two of these to live a happy life.
1: <laughs> well well and we'll get into that later, but like he sincerely is a, a partner in crime. So like toxic relationships like this exist because oh, yeah. they both feel like they're a certain kind of way and they feel like their partner is the only person that will accept them
0: yeah yeah
1: you know like like no one else will love me but at least this person will love me yeah you know
0: i'm excited for the next story yeah for the next episode if if none of you are i am um also i just want to point out we got new mics and this is our first time using them.
1: And they were pricey.
0: They were a little bit pricey, yes. But I feel like they're going to be worth it. But if you hear anything weird in the background, it's just because we got like the heaviest fucking rain right now. Yeah. I could hear it through the headphones. I was like, what the fuck is going on? All right. Uh, good job, Dulce.
1: Thanks. And I'll just keep you updated on this uh, story next week. Okay. Tell me a story.
0: Okay. So, in keeping with the whole uh, St. Patrick's Day thing... Nice. ...seen as our episode came out last, what, the 12th? And now this one's going to be coming out the 19th. Mm. St. Patrick's Day is somewhere in between there. So, I figured, fuck it, I'll just tell another Irish story.
1: Cool, tell it to me.
0: Right. So, this is something I actually personally wanted to learn about as well. Okay. The Banshee.
1: Oh, nice. Okay.
0: Yeah. So... In preparation for this, I actually reached out to my friends and family and asked what they knew about the subject. The answer was, not a whole lot.
1: Yeah?
0: Yeah, it was just like, people were threatened by her. Like, b- people would use the Banshee as a threat. Like, mm. you know, oh, get to bed on time or else the oh, Banshee will get you that yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, like my dad's younger sister said that she was told the story while she was in the Gale Talk, which is where they're like Irish-speaking communities where... Kids like school kids go during the summer to try and better their Irish, uh, and they're like typically kind of remote country areas. So the banshee legend is still pretty strong there. Mm. Whereas my mom's side of the family, I think they are like a little more spiritually inclined anyway. But apparently, my great grandmother, who was alive when I was born, like she didn't die until I was seven or eight, she used to tell my mom and her sisters that the banshee would be sitting out on the garden wall, blushing her hair and crying. I asked, was this used as a threat or what? And they didn't really know. It's, it was just something that she used to say. My other aunt, uh, my mom's aunt, sister, said that a family friend told her straight up, she heard the banshee one night and the following day found out a little boy down the road had died. Damn. Yeah. When I asked the lads, they just said, one of them, that the one that got back to me, just said they had been warned about not to go into the woods because a banshee lived in there. But in hindsight, the area was pretty rough and there was a lot more to be afraid of in those woods. Mm. But the reason why it sticks out for me mm-hmm. is because when I worked, or like years ago, I was working with this guy. I was an apprentice and he was the electrician, but he was an older dude, lived on his own in a house that he was currently building.
1: Was that the Fairy King?
0: No, no, no. That guy was a fucking lunatic. Oh. No, this guy was... Like, absolutely no bullshit about him. hmm And that was his way. He was a lovely guy, but he was so no bullshit. Yeah. He said, so sure, what would I want to have a wife for? I'd only have to put up with her. Right? This was his attitude. Yeah. If there was something in his way or, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He would not go, like, it was his way or no way.
1: Yeah.
0: And so, like... Working for hours on end just to tell you, I always end up asking people, like, do you believe in ghosts? Mm. Straight up, he was like, no, don't be fucking ridiculous. Don't be so stupid. And I was like, oh, I was only wondering because he came from the countryside. He goes, no, don't be so fucking silly. And then he kept going at what he was doing and he turned around. He goes, although no, there was one time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, and like, he was so country. He was like, I was about eight years old. A young baby had died down the road. My mother took me to the funeral. And when we got to the house, we could just hear the crying in the distance. And my mother said, that's the banshee, get into the house. But they never (laughs) could explain it. Like he didn't find an an explanation. And in his head, that was as black and white as, there's no such thing as ghosts, don't be stupid. But that was the banshee. (laughs) Now hand me that screwdriver or something. (laughs) So for me, that kind of like made it even more of a. I love you. Shit, I need to know this now, like right. Um. Anyway, so you probably noticed that I bought that book in our Kindle store. It was W. B. Yeats's Irish Fairy and Folk Tales, Mm. and I think this is the same book as like Irish Fairy and Folk Tales from the Peasantry. Okay. But they just changed the title to make it a bit nicer. The definition goes, the banshee from ban, which means woman in Irish, Mm. and she, which means fairy.
1: Oh, I do not know that.
0: Yeah. um, Is an attendant fairy that follows the old families and none but them and wails before a death. Many have seen her as she goes wailing and clapping her hands. The keen or queena, the funeral cry of the peasantry is said to be an imitation of her cry. When more than one banshee is present, and they wail and sing in chorus, it is for the death of someone holy or great. So I'm starting to think that fairy is just another word for spirit or ghost or otherworldly yeah. thing.
1: So these are mostly just like omens, like uh, like a f- to let you know, like some shit's about a to harbinger. go
0: down. Harbinger? 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 harbinger. Oh, so
1: they bring on about the deaths of people yeah so oh i thought they were just like mourners
0: no well what when i was a child i read a book which also this came up in the family group when i asked about it my uncle said there's a great book in granny's house that has a section in this it's called mysteries of the unexplained and i said thanks johnny i have that book in our house and that's the reason why i am the way i am <laughs> <laughs> But when I read that when I was a kid, what I picked up was when you hear the banshee crying, mm. like that will kill you, like uh, like Medusa, right? Oh, okay. Like when
1: you hear, yeah, when you hear it, you die, like Medusa. When you see her, you die.
0: Yeah, something like that. Something made a connection like that in my mind. Oh. But that's not true at all. It's just a forebearer, like basically, or a harbinger, harbinger. I don't fucking. So know. So
1: they bring about the death of people.
0: Yeah, they just warn you of the death. Oh, they warn you. Yeah, they don't actually kill. Okay, they just Uh, warn you. Yeah, and also in that definition, that's the first time that I ever heard uh, the clapping hands thing.
1: Mm.
0: Keen means cry in Irish. I would have pronounced it like queen, as in egg queenu is to cry. But Google said "keen." I think I'm right.
1: I think you're right too. (laughs) But uh, uh, that's interesting about the clapping thing because clapping is normally done
0: like a happy thing right yeah yeah so anyway also i think it's known at this point in wb Yeats's time oh. as the cry of the peasantry because only peasants showed emotion back then like the upper class at that time were like far too dignified for that kind of carry on uh. other descriptions of the banshee are a beautiful woman wearing a shroud a pale woman in a white dress with long red hair a woman with a silver dress and silver hair A headless woman carrying a bowl of blood that is naked from the waist up. An old woman with frightening red eyes, a green dress, and long white hair. Or an old woman with a veil covering her face, dressed all in black with long grey hair.
1: Hmm.
0: Interestingly enough, in medieval times, you could actually hire professional mourners. Okay. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And in Ireland, they were known as keeners which criers yeah it came from the word queenu which was also used to describe the type of songs that they would sing at the funerals songs like what i listen to on a daily basis just sad mopey songs basically i think Mm. this tradition is literally as old as the hills um it's believed to have originated somewhere in the ancient eastern regions It was once the custom of many countries from Asia to Eastern Europe, adopted by ancient Greeks and Romans, and was once a position of respect. But over time, the great bards and poets who originally would do this, they slowly died out. I think the money for those type of things dried up. And as well, it was an old way of things, uh, an old way of doing things. So when the Catholic Church started coming around, You know, trying to change Mm -hmm. everything to suit them. Yeah, yeah. They started to just associate it with bad things. But in the meantime, in Ireland, when all the bards and stuff like that and the families started to dissipate, like these Game of Thrones style families started to get watered down and the money was taken away. Women took up the job of keeners. Mm -hmm. And like, I think keeners is specifically associated to these women, but they wouldn't even they didn't even get paid in money they would get paid in alcohol hmm. okay so they would show up to your funeral get shit faced and wail and cry and sing sad songs wow yeah and i think after a few years of this like they probably didn't look like the healthiest of humans yeah and they also started getting a bad name for themselves most people believed them to be sinners so you can start to see this kind of vivid image coming through like but again to do with the catholic church they were saying oh these women are you know terrible like can't be having them going go showing up and well, screaming yeah, cause, and all that
1: because they're carrying on a tradition that they want to stifle and two they're getting drunk
0: yeah you
1: know and, and making <laughs> and making a show of themselves yeah and just making
0: know? a living crying screaming and oh my singing, god and they're getting paid hammered. you know Yeah, well, getting paid in alcohol. Yeah, that's what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) So, again, my next point here is banshees are not the cause of death. They are just harbingers or harbingers.
1: Harbingers.
0: Harbingers. The typical belief being that if you hear the crying of a banshee, there will be a death nearby or close to you or your family in the coming days.
1: So, it's not so much that, you know... Like, oh, God, go inside because the banshee's going to get you. It's more like if you hear it, it sucks to hear it because something's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Because I always thought it was the other way around where it was like, oh, fuck, like, you hear her because she's coming to get you.
0: Yeah, that's exactly how I thought it was. But no, it's just if you hear the cry.
1: Kind of like an owl. Like when you see an owl, you know, some shit's about to go down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: But there are other stories of people hearing beautiful, haunting, sorrowful songs being sung in the days leading up to a death. I think it's interesting that as I was writing these notes, we actually had just listened to an episode of Story with Stories with Sapphire where she actually talked about musical ear syndrome, which is a common symptom of hearing loss where because your brain isn't picking up the regular background noises it feels it should be, um, it quite literally fills in the blanks with music. Now, I feel like I had to put that in because there's so many, like, you know, ghost stories that would have like, oh, and then we heard this music in the middle of the night. And I had never heard of this before. That's a fucking very valid explanation. So that explains a lot of individual accounts, but it can't explain groups hearing the same thing. Correct. They say a banshee's appearance and nature stems directly from how she was treated by her family when she was alive.
1: Well, that's weird because it's supposed to be several Banshees, not just one Banshee, right?
0: Well, so this is where I started to see, like, there's differences in the legend. Mm. Okay, so some suggest that the Banshee was, say, a spirit who just showed, like, was attached to a family for no particular reason, almost. Whereas others said that she was actually a member of that family who was either treated poorly and came back to like haunt them for the rest of their days or was really loved and didn't want to leave. Mm -hmm. So would come to like almost welcome the death, like welcome the other people to the other side. Yeah. Kind of thing. So in regards to what Yates said, said in his book about the old families, according to a couple of different sources, the list of major Irish families was limited to five. The O'Neill's, the O'Connor's, the O'Grady's, the Kavanagh's, and the O'Brien's.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is my mother's maiden name, O'Brien. Over the years, that list has grown and grown from like intermar- intermarriage among the old clans. So one list I saw had like 30 names. Mm. and but Lynch was in that list mm-hmm. as well so anyway by rights I should have at least two or I should have at least one if not two Banshees attached to me mm. now touch wood thankfully we haven't had many people die in our family and like the ones that have died I never heard any Banshee or I certainly don't recall or maybe I slept through it because I was very young
1: mm.
0: and I was actually with my granddad when he died mm-hmm. So maybe I didn't get, you know, because I was there. I don't fucking know. But I know that our friends Emma and Dan over at Real Life Ghost Stories actually covered this in a very early episode of theirs. And so I gave it a, a wee listen the other day just to see what Emma had to say on the subject. And she actually said that it's also thought that the creation of the Banshee could have a lot to do with our favorite badass goddess, the Morrigan. hmm the association with ravens is very strong and it's thought that a banshee can actually take the form of a raven or crow. And maybe along with the Keeners, it this is where the Catholic Church really merged a lot to be like, oh it's all the divil. Mm. You know? Yeah. So the following is an excerpt from that W.B. Yates book, which I actually can't wait to read more of. And maybe that'll be a thing that we do on the Patreon is read from old books like that because all it is is a collection of ghost stories
1: what? from
0: back in the day W. B. wbh didn't write these he collected random people's ghost stories oh, and compiled them
1: so we wouldn't be getting like copyright
0: oh yeah no i've already looked into it they're like in the public domain and shit like that oh cool yeah
1: let's do it
0: right so this is called how thomas Connolly met the banshee by j todd hunter And I will warn you that I'm going to absolutely butcher this. It's written in like Dublinese. (laughs) But like the guy who was talking to Jay Todd Hunter, telling him his experience, had like a thick Dublin accent and Todd Hunter wrote it almost phonetically. Mm. So in my head, it just sounds like my grandparents talking.
1: I love it. Anyway,
0: I began to feel a cold wind blowing through the hollow of my heart. "'Musha Thomas,' says I to myself, "'is it yourself that's in it,' says I, "'or if it is, what's the matter with you at all at all?' says I. So I put a bowled face on, and I made a struggle to set one leg afore the other until I came to the rise of the bridge. And there, God be good was in a cantle of the wall, I see an old woman, as I thought, sitting on her hunkers, all crouched together, and her head bowed down, seemingly in the greatest affliction. "'Well, sir,' I pitied the old crater and thought I wasn't worth the tron in for the mortal fright I was in. I open says to her, that's a cow lodging for you, ma'am. She took no more notice of me than if I hadn't let a word out of me, but kept rocking herself to and fro as if her heart was breaking. So I says to her again, ma'am, is there anything the matter with you? And I made for to touch her on the shoulder, only something stopped me. For as I looked closer at her, I saw she was no more than an old woman, than she was an old cat. The first thing I took notice of Mr Harry Was her hair that was strailing down over her shoulders And a good yard on the ground on each side of her I will be the hokey farmer but that was the hair The lice of it I'd never seen on a mortal woman Young or old before nor since It grew as strong out of her As out of every young slip of a girl you could see But the colour of it was a mystery to describe The first squint I got of it I thought it was a silvery grey, like an owl crones. But when I got up beside her, I saw, with a glance at the sky, it was a sort of, sort of an Iscaria colour, and a shine over it like floss silk. It ran down over her shoulders, and the two shapely arms she was laying her head on, for all the world, like Mary Magdalene's in a picture. And then I perceived the grey cloak and the green gown underneath it, was made out of no earthly material I ever laid eyes on. Now I needn't tell you, sir, that I seen all this in the twinkle of a bedpost, long as I take to make the narration of it. So I made a step back from her. And the Lord be between us and harm, says I out loud, and with that, I blessed myself. Well, Mr. Harry, the word wasn't out of me mouth, for she turned her face at me. Oh, Mr. Harry, what was that? It was the awfulest apparition ever I seen. The face of her as she looked up at me. God forgive me for saying it. But 'twas t'was more like the face of the Axie Homo beyond Marlborough Street C- Chapel, nor like any face I could mention. As pale as a corpse, and a most of freckles on it, like the freckles on a turkey's egg, and the two eyes sewn in with thread from the terrible power of crying she had to do. And such a pair of eyes as the war, Mr. Harry, as blue as two forget-me-nots, as cold as the moon in a bog hole of a frosty night, and a dead-and-alive look in them, that sent a cold shiver through the madam of me bones. You could have wrung a take-upful of cold perspiration out of the hair of me head that minute, so you could. Well, I thought the life had left me entirely when she riz up from her honkers to be dead. She looked mostly as tall as Nelson's pillar, and with the eyes gazing back at me, and her two arms stretched out before her, and her cane over. That rizzed the hair on me scalp till it was as stiff as the hog's bristles in a new heart broom. Away she glides, glides round the angle of the bridge and down with her into the stream that ran under it. Okay, so <laughs> if anybody was actually able to understand that, basically he was walking, uh, it was actually through the daughter. So before any of Dublin was actually built up, this would be around where Nanny and Papa live now. Mm which is another reason why i liked it he was walking towards the river one night and it was like really foggy and misty and all that because believe it or not i actually cut out a lot of that Mm. this man was full of so many metaphors and similes it was great but anyway as he came upon the bridge he saw this little old little old lady sitting in the hollow in the wall and when he approached there realized that she was actually a banshee and then she stood up and turned into a fucking giant And then just walked away screaming with her hands out into the water. So there's that. And then I went on to boards.ie, which is uh, basically like an Irish version of Reddit. Mm. That I don't know if anybody still uses it or anything. I had an account years ago, but I I couldn't even figure it out really back then. And so here's some accounts from like fucking years ago. Well, as in years ago, internet time, like 10 years ago. Mm. So, Disco Stick 12 says, <laughs> <laughs> My Dash, where's that he saw one? A banshee. The story he told was that he was bringing my mother home when they were courting. Courting means dating, just mm-hmm. in case. And was walking along a park in Dublin when he thought he heard someone calling his name. He went over and thought he saw an old woman sitting on a step. But when he went over, she was gone. The next morning, my uncle was found dead creepy exclamation point just like that yeah just like that so it kind of reminds me a little bit of the black Shuck. Mm. a lot of these stories almost have nothing to do with the banshee but people are like that was the banshee oh ah, yeah <laughs> an american boards user named chimera said nice. my mother died recently half an hour before her death i heard the whale oh that's just
1: because <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm closing my eyes to hear your story and don't know where, like I, I see a whale <laughs> yeah. I'm like what the fuck that doesn't go there
0: <laughs> so my mother died recently half an hour before her death I heard the wail of what sounded to be a banshee on closer listening it also sounded like a very mournful sound in an off key in parentheses. It also could have been the wind whistling by the door, but the house was locked up tight. It lasted eerily for about 10 to 20 mournful seconds. My mother's last name was Irish, and we are one-half two, three-quarters Irish. Okay.
1: So not real Irish.
0: I guess maybe the mom was. I don't fucking know. Anyway, she heard the banshee. Username Buddha said, My mother told us of an incident when we were all little. Eight of us and her and dad were sitting downstairs when suddenly there was a terrible racket coming from upstairs. It sounded like doors crashing shut and a high pitched screeching. They raced up the stairs to see what we were up to, but we were all fast asleep. And just as suddenly the noise stopped. Next morning, a telegram arrived to say that my dad's godmother, Mary, had died suddenly during the night. Telegram. Well, that's from a ways back. Mm -hmm. That to me... Kind of just sounded like regular old poltergeist activity, right? I guess the screeching. And then how did the kids not wake up? Yeah. That's so fucking weird. Because in my head, I feel like a lot of time people are genuinely just saying goodbye. You yeah. You I mean? Or like they have like one act left and they just are trying to get noticed. And it might come across as really angry.
1: Possible, yeah.
0: Or scary, but really it's them. Maybe they're frustrated or yeah, God knows what. Okay. Or maybe it was a banshee. Ruana, I know about 20 years ago, a friend of my mother's and her husband went out for lunch and on the way back stopped at the Black Lake near Loch Geel, County Antrim, might not be pronounced that properly, to go for a walk. She said that she didn't stay long as she felt uncomfortable for some reason. The area does have quite a creepy atmosphere. As they neared the car, all of a sudden, this high-pitched, ungodly scream started up out of nowhere. They ran to the car, but they couldn't get the doors to unlock. Apparently, the screaming lasted for about 10 seconds. And then as soon as it stopped, they could get the doors open. I don't know if it's true, but they still swear it's the truth. Later that night, my mom's friend's aunt took very badly ill and died a few days later. And she's convinced it was the Banshee which was trying to forewarn her about her aunt's death. So that, to me, like, that seems fucking nuts. Yeah, This one is interesting. Tell it to me. A user named Crazy Moo! Exclamation mark. Was telling her granddad's experience and said he always used to say, two out of three can see a banshee. Mm. Which means only two people out of the group can see her. Yeah. Which brings me back to the leprechaun story last week. Remember with the school kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were saying as soon as one would point it out,
1: Uh the other other one one could could see it.
0: it. And then they... The original person couldn't see it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, To which Tiger Blob responded, When I read this, I had to post. I had never heard that quote before, but it made my mind up on whether I should tell my story or not. The Banshee follows my mother's best friend's family. Once, when my mother was about 16, she was in her room with her sister and her best friend. My mother and her friend both heard the Banshee crying, with my mother's, but my mother's sister couldn't hear her. She thought they were making it up, trying to scare her. Soon enough, my mother's friend was told that her cousin in England had died.
1: This sucks. <laughs> yeah. No, not the story of a legacy. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> um, Polythene Palm said, I hate vegans.
1: All right.
0: Yeah. I don't know why she was in that
1: what the fuck?
0: chat room, but I just said, <laughs> uh, okay, I better include it. Son of Vidic. My godfather died in 1991. My mum and I heard the banshee at 2.30am, the time he died. It started off in the distance and moved closer. The sound seemed to circle the house and the garden. My bedroom was the only downstairs bedroom and I remember going to bed a bit spooked but unsure of the noise. As I entered my bedroom, I heard the cry in our backyard. I stood for about a minute and listened but heard nothing else. I then closed my bedroom door and as I walked toward the bed, the cry came from outside my bedroom door. I have never known such terror in my life. I was so scared that if I stayed in the bedroom, it would enter. After about 30 seconds of psyching myself up, I rushed out the bedroom door and upstairs to my parents' bedroom, turning on every light in the process. My mum also heard it. Everyone else slept through it. She immediately knew what it was and reassured me. All I can say is it was the most unearthly cry which no human or animal cry could reproduce. I now understand it was the ancient ancestor of our family and it's an honor which shouldn't be feared. I would be shitting (laughs) myself. It was in the house.
1: Yeah, that's crazy.
0: Shane Red said, I had a woman wail outside the house. Went downstairs to see her standing behind one of the curtains. What? I don't remember reading this. That's awful. I had a woman wail outside the house. I went downstairs to see her standing behind one of the curtains. The woman had all her clothes shredded off her and was wailing at the window. It seemed as if she had come from the sea. I live across the road from the sea in Dublin. I live in an old house where many people have lived and spent their final days. Our surname is on the list of family names. This woman was extremely mute once brought in where she, where she seemed dazed and disorientated. The local guarder was called and she was given something to put on around her. She stayed standing in the same spot, not responding to anything until the guards came to take her away. She left an empty handbag, which, when the guards were rang the next day, there was no record of picking her up. Strange incident, which is the closest thing of the, to the Banshee I can think of. Nobody died around that time, to my best recollection, though. But how fucking strange. Like, just a random woman, and you just bring her into the house?
1: Yeah, that is weird. And
0: no fucking reports <laughs> made?
1: Yeah.
0: Ugh. that one gave me shivers I don't like it and like she was hiding behind the curtain you think she was outside the house though she Uh, had to have been
1: I don't know we'll never know
0: horrible that's the banshee everybody (laughs) my sources were libraryireland.com irelandnow.com claddadesign.com celticweddingrings.com and Irish Folk and Fairy Tales by WB Yeats Nice. oh and real life ghost stories episode three (laughs) cool yeah which i referenced earlier after all that there's still kind of some mystery surrounding the banshee and there's still a a, like wide variation on the stories Mm. i guess depending on who you actually heard it from initially yeah but from what i've learned she's not something to be feared But I'm still terrified. (laughs) (laughs) And if I ever see like a small old lady just sitting somewhere combing her hair.
1: Keep your hands to yourself.
0: Keep your hands to yourself and just turn the fuck around. And yeah, that's my story. Yes. Okay, creeps. Make sure to give uh, give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter if you're feeling like it. Now you can check out our Patreon. It's going to be... We're probably going to... We're aiming to start it today. That this drops. Friday. So yeah, feel free to check it out. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. If you want to see us like doing reaction videos or whatever. I know one of our friends we were talking to wanted to see that. And to be honest, we probably will end up doing that. And whatever else you want to fucking do. Make sure to go check out Let's Not Meet. We had a blast doing that. Oh yeah. Um... And we will be having guests of that nature on the show in the months to come.
1: Yeah, they'll, they'll tell stories for you. Yeah. To listen to.
0: To listen to. And I think that's about it. Yeah. Thank you all for sticking with us for the episode and all the other episodes. Hope you enjoy. If you're new, welcome.
1: Welcome to the club. Yeah.
0: And I guess that's it.
1: Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye. Oh I already said that. Skip that. Don't 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 put that in. Don't put that in. Because <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm closing my eyes to hear your story and out of nowhere like I, I see a whale. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? That doesn't
0: go there. <laughs>